Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and Truth. A man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You can't handle the truth! Now, here's the host of Stand Up for the Truth, Mike LeMay. Unashamed of the gospel and standing on the truth of God in the Bible. Good morning, Mike LeMay and David Fiorasso. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. David, great to have you back. Thank you. Happy New Year, everybody. Hey, you bet. How's life in Canada? Uh, it's 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 going, eh? It's going, eh? <laughs> I expect a lot of A's. Uh, and you theirs and all no, it's, that. It's, it's such an interesting country and government and uh, culture, very liberal, progressive, and uh, not very spiritual, but it, it just had some great conversations. The most important thing is uh, the night before we flew back, I was able to share the gospel with um, four people that we had been praying for for years, and uh, I got just opened up the door, and and they let me talk. Usually they're very defensive, but they really let me share, and I started talking a little bit about uh, my heart, uh, operation uh, early last year in April, and that kind of maybe removed their defense mm. a little bit, saying, okay, he's let's hear his perspective. And I gave him the eternal perspective and just shared some about the evidence of uh, Christianity in the Bible. So it was a wonderful uh, night before we flew back to the States. You were literally and figuratively speaking from the heart. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes nice. it was great. Father, we do thank you uh, for a new year. We thank you for another year to proclaim your glory to speak the truth in love and uh, proclaim the gospel where you look down on us as hopeless lost sinners and sent your son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to take your wrath against sin upon himself in our stead and that our belief in him in our hearts and in our minds uh, frees us from the power of sin in this life and from the punishment of sin for eternity. And Lord, may we be found faithful this year in proclaiming your gospel unashamedly in truth and in love uh, to everyone we we encounter, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word on radio, and may we glorify your name and your word throughout this year. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we give you all thanks, honor, and glory. Amen. As we start a new year, a ninth year broadcasting standard for the truth, I want to give you an idea on an area we're going to be focusing very heavily on in 2019. Now, we're going to continue to look at national and world news that affects Christians, but it's clear what is happening in the world. The hatred of Jesus and his word is increasing dramatically. And Paul's warnings in Romans 1 of God turning people over to a reprobate mind because they rejected his truth seems to be happening with greater frequency. The persecution of Jesus' true church is accelerating through the world. China, India, Iran, and Russia are sending clear warnings to Christians that their allegiance better be to government and not God. In India, dominated by the Hindu religion, which has always been seen and promoted as nonviolent, radical Hindus have went on a killing spree bent on destroying the Christian church in India. Politically, the intense battle between globalists bent on world government and nationalists who believe individual nations should be able to enforce their own borders and laws is raging throughout Europe and America. And make no mistake, globalism is the vehicle through which a one-world government will one day be ushered in, just as the Bible warns us. 
Now, we're going to continue to report uh, on these news and bring perspective on these and other issues, pointing us to the Bible to determine truth and understand the spiritual ramifications of what is going on. But we're also going to take a much more in-depth look at what is happening to Christianity here in America within our own churches. I'm convinced there's a schism going on in virtually every Christian denomination, a schism we haven't seen the likes of since Luther's Protestant Reformation. And once you get beyond the denominational quirks and peculiarities, we see something much more important happening. There is a spiritual war going on for the very soul of Christianity in America. When we look at the condition of Christian churches in communist China, I think we see the future model for churches here in America. The day is coming when the Supreme Court will uphold a government request to bring churches and Christian organizations more under government control. And when this happens, everything will change for Christian churches in America, and I believe we're going to see this China model come to fruition, where there will be state-endorsed Christian churches that surrender to Caesar instead of submitting to God, effectively rendering them useless in proclaiming the gospel and truth of God's word. And there will be some churches who choose to remain faithful to God and his word, and they will slowly be driven underground. I think professing Christian churches in America can roughly be divided into three camps, and this isn't scientific. This is more from my gut, folks. I think 20% or so remain solidly grounded in God's word, and they teach the full counsel of it. They are dedicated to equipping believers and developing committed disciples of Jesus Christ. Another 20% or so, they've already gone off the deep end spiritually. They've caved to secular society and have sold out to political correctness so they can be more seeker-friendly. Now, the remaining 60% or so are kind of standing on a spiritual fence, and they will either decide to return to being strong biblical churches or eventually cave into pressure and secular thought and slide into what eventually could be full-blown apostasy. We're seeing an increasing number of churches compromising with secular culture. The church growth movement ushered in by Peter Drucker via Bill Hybels and Rick Warren seems to have become the gold standard by which many churches gauge success these days. Rather than opposing secular culture and its growing sinfulness, many churches who buy into the church growth movement seem to be embracing secular culture in their methods and teaching. Americans who want more and more things of this world are finding an ally in the prosperity preaching movement, where we're told we can have all the things of this world as long as we have just enough Jesus to be saved. A strange blending of Christian teachings and New Age philosophy is in infiltrating an increasing number of churches. Yoga and transcendental meditation, hallmarks of Buddhist and Hindu teachings, have established a strong foothold in a growing number of churches, creating spiritual confusion. And recent studies over the past year that we will be covering in the coming weeks show an alarming rate, an alarming rate, of ignorance about God and the Bible within professing Christian circles. Only one in three people who call themselves born-again believers now think the Word of God is absolute truth. And experts are predicting that only 4% of our youth will ever truly become born-again believers. So the future leadership of our church and nation are on shaky ground. We've seen increased pressure from government, education, and media to dismantle Christianity in America. Now, to date, these efforts have been more subtle, but they will intensify in the coming years 
and the pressure on Christian churches will become very intense. What we faced here in De Pere is but the first shot over the bow, aimed at silencing biblical Christian churches, and Satan's only begun his efforts. He has government, media, education, and public opinion on his side, as true biblical churches face increasing pressure to cave in or be marginalized. Church leaders will be forced to make a decision that will have eternal spiritual consequences for them and their members. Will they remain faithful to God and his word or cave into pressure for growth and acceptance, surrendering to secular culture? Now, we're going to start out this year looking at an article by Jan Markell of Understanding the Times Radio. Annually, she outlines what she believes were the 10 most important Bible prophecy events of the year. Now, like Jan, we believe we are rapidly approaching the day of the Lord's return. Before his return, the Antichrist, Satan's mouthpiece and puppet, will rise to power. And Paul says this about his rise to power in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 4. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. The rebellion Paul prophesies is a great falling away from the Christian faith, apostasy. This is clearly happening around the world and right here in America. Calling oneself a Christian has lost virtually any meaning these days as emergent theology, New Age beliefs, and outright apostasy have become sadly hallmarks of a growing number of churches. We're going to be taking a deeper look at this spiritual battle for the very soul of American Christianity. And while there remains many solid biblical churches in our nation, the number that are sliding toward eventual apostasy seems to be on the increase. And it's up to you as a believer to be able to see the signs and understand the times. We're going to be putting a lot of emphasis on that, uh, this battle for the soul of American Christian churches uh, in this year of 2019. So strap on your uh, seat belts and uh, make sure your seats are in the upright position because uh, it's going to be interesting. Well, David, let's turn our attention. Uh, Jan Markell, our friend of Olive Tree Views Ministry, every year comes out with her top 10 uh, biblical prophecy or biblical signs that she thinks are pointing to the very soon return of our Lord. And let's just start going through those uh, over the next couple segments here. All right, well, number one, um, she says uh, nationalism is scorned and globalism is celebrated. Um, number one out of ten, globalism took center stage in 2018, uh, so much so that President Donald Trump stuck it to the globalists by once again stating that he is a nationalist. Uh, Europe is reeling. The uh, Yellow Jacket rioters are stirring up trouble uh, thanks to the globalists as they move from country to country, destabilizing Europe. And uh, it, Europe almost needs a savior, <laughs> of course. France's Emmanuel Macron keeps making astounding one-world statements, including wanting to offer Israel a peace plan. If the Antichrist is to come out of Europe, that continent is preparing the way for him. The globalists will recover as they will get their, quote, paradise during the seven-year tribulation. Uh, this year, 
They even enlisted entertainer Celine Dion to seduce children with New World Order children's clothing. That was this year. She's talking about 2018. They're desperate. Donald Trump is the disruptor in chief of the New World Order. Order. Um, so we'll, it's, we'll see how this thing all plays out. But that's number one out of 10 on Jan Markell's um, recent list that she just put out, top 10 Bible prophecy-related stories. And I think, David, uh, there's a lot of hatred of President Trump, uh, and some of it uh, has to do with his policies. But I think deep down, uh, you know, he, he ran as an outsider. Uh, he's hated by the establishment, Republican and Democrat alike, and has made it very clear he is a nationalist. And isn't it interesting how that word nationalist, uh, I guess you could consider that a patriot, someone who believes in this nation, that we should have our own laws, our own borders, and that we are a sovereign nation, if you will. But it's really become a four-letter word with a lot on the left. And this this march towards globalism uh, is exactly what the Bible predicts in the book of Revelation. There will be a one-world religion and a one-world government. And the Antichrist, wherever he's coming out of Europe, Israel, Middle East, wherever, he's going to be somebody that uh, is eloquent and manages to unite a global world. So uh, point number one. Number two, we turn our attention to the state of Israel. Israel celebrates her 70th anniversary, and America moves her embassy to Jerusalem. Huge story from last year. In Matthew 24, 34, Jesus gives a prophecy that the generation living during the predicted events will not pass away until the events occur. Israel became a nation in 1948. Psalm 90 says a generation is 70 years. The Bible refers to the tribulation as the 70th week of Daniel. Israel's rebirth is a reminder that God keeps his promises. And Donald Trump kept a promise and moved the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv to Jerusalem on her 70th anniversary. So the dry bones came to life in May of 1948, and the country celebrated its 70th anniversary last May. Now, this is the miracle of all time. They stood up on their feet. A great army in 2018 were declared the eighth strongest nation in the world. Yeah, you know, that that, uh, whole thing about a generation, as I look in the Old Testament, uh, some people believe it's 70 years, as Jan points out in one of the Psalms. Other people uh, think it's 100 years. Uh, But the point being, let's not get hung up on the exact year, Mm because none of us knows the return of the Lord. But in 1948, as was prophesied, God made a nation in a single day. Israel was reconstituted, its people brought home, and the exodus back to Israel is is incredible right now from every nation around the world. And, you know, again, we don't get hung up on the particular year of the next great war or when the Antichrist comes to power, but I think it would be foolish to not look at the signs of the time, David, and and not think that we're, we have to be drawing close. Everything mm-hmm. seems to be fitting together. Uh, President Trump is remaining a staunch ally of Israel, and he's one of maybe three world leaders who are clearly standing with Israel. Now, the question's going to be, because people in Trump's own administration have called for a two-state solution Mm -hmm. and the division of Jerusalem, and the Lord warns about Jerusalem. He said, do not divide my city. So it's going to be very interesting. I think this year, every president wants the legacy of being the one who brought peace to the Middle East. Will President Trump cave? to left, uh, left-wingers and to those who hate Israel and try to impose a two-state solution on Israel, one that's never worked and, and historically one that's always been rejected by Israel's Muslim neighbors. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, number three is a very short one. Uh, just says basically in 2018, birth pangs became apocalyptic. Throughout the year, last year, we watched heart-wrenching photos and videos of unprecedented disasters that are just a foretaste of what will happen in the tribulation or the time of Jacob's trouble. Many commentators called these global disasters apocalyptic, or some even said of biblical proportion. This is an interesting one to me, because you do hear that terminology thrown out there by unbelievers. They don't know what they're really referring to, right. though. But what do they blame it on? Climate change. You know, they, <laughs> yes. they're blaming it on climate of change. Course. And yet, of course, the Bible, Jesus spoke very much of, of earthquakes and, and tremendous upheaval as, you know, the birth pangs of a new world. So uh, in a way, the, the climate change alarmists, uh, they're using these biblical terms, but obviously they're not referring to the Bible when they use them. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it's part of the, maybe part of their plan to get Christians to buy into their, uh, uh, their climate change agenda. Who knows? I don't know, but they went from global cooling to global warming to now climate change. Climate change. Because climate is always changing. Yeah. So I guess they can't go wrong there, really. You know, Sunday we had no snow on the ground. Now we have six inches. Is that climate change? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Number four, U.S. troops pull out of Syria. In late December, President Trump stated that he will pull all U.S. troops out of Syria. While opinions vary and Christians and Kurds will be further slaughtered by evil forces, this opens a pathway from Iran to Israel. Iran now has a perfect land bridge to Israel. Russia, Turkey, Sudan, Libya, and many nations will join in this attack. Go ahead. And the one more, this action could further cause Israel to strike Damascus and fulfill a prophecy of Isaiah 17, verse 1. Yes, the greatest and, and uh, uh, what's believed to be the oldest uh, continually populated city in the world, Damascus, will, according to Isaiah uh, 17, 1, become a shambles and uninhabitable. And the bridge that Jan is talking about there from Iran to Israel uh, has to do with Iraq. And, and you look now... Iraq is basically under a Shia government right now. It's it's a puppet of Iran. Um, it, it's interesting. Now, Trump has backed off a little bit and said he's going to slowly pull the troops out. Uh, already, after he announced it, uh, Turkey started attacking Kurds. And mm-hmm. the whole thing in the Middle East is such a mess. You've got Shia, Sunni, and Kurds. Everyone hates the Kurds, including Turkey. The Kurds are our only ally over there. And uh, President Trump's getting a lot of heat for this decision. But... Uh, it, it's going to bring probably more instability into Syria. And keep your eyes there, because on Damascus, Syria, uh, and certainly Israel, uh, that's where we're really looking to see these final uh, end times scenarios play out. All right, number five on in Jan Markell's list here of top ten Bible prophecy stories of last year is the decline of the character of mankind, a depraved mentality, Romans 1. Lovers of self, 2 Timothy 3, godlessness, immorality, lawlessness, lawlessness abound, and a return to the days of Noah that Jesus talked about. In 2018, we watched massive voter fraud, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh falsely accused in the name of politics, witches, literal witches, curse Kavanaugh and President Trump in public ceremonies, literal demonic hatred expressed toward Christians and conservatives, the clergy blessing abortion clinics, 
Drag queens appear everywhere and heavily at children's events, including libraries and one seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. Child drag queen performer Desmond the Amazing is declared by some to be the future of America. And this child is, I think, nine years old, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Just sad, sad things. But as she said, the decline of the character of mankind. Oh, indeed. As the Bible prophesied again, the day is coming when good would be seen as evil, evil would be seen as good. People are turned over to that reprobate mind to do the unthinkable, as Paul said, and we're certainly seeing that more and more. Uh, you're listening to Stand Up for the Truth on Q90 FM. Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo. When we come back, the final five notes from Jan Markell that point to the return of the Lord. If you want to contact us about any of the topics discussed today, email your questions to comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Stand Up For The Truth will continue in a moment. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Covered an article by Jan Markell of Understanding the Times. You can hear her Saturday. Hear her. Hear her here is what I'm trying to say. Hear her here. Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, Central here on the Q90 FM. Uh, and she, every year Jan comes out with her 10 uh, biblical prophecies she feels were either fulfilled or steps towards fulfillment in the previous year. Hear, here. We're on number six, the tragic rise of evil. So the Bible says that in the last days, evil will wax worse and worse, 2 Timothy 3.13. This year we have seen paganism and witchcraft soar openly as Christianity declined and millennials said they don't need God. More than 60% of Americans now embrace some kind of New Age beliefs. It's now cool, thanks in part to Hollywood, to believe in things that are dangerous. This is a foreshadowing of the sorceries of the tribulation. There's a growing love of evil while good is denounced. The Isaiah 520 reference there. The perpetrator of mass shootings, such as the incident in Florida last February, state they heard voices telling them to perpetuate such acts. And also, one more thing, the Arch of Palmyra was a part of the Temple of Baal and appeared in Washington, D.C. in September. Yeah, it's been making its its global tour throughout Europe and now North America. And, you know, the symbolism of that thing, too, an archway that you walk through to worship the most evil false god of the Old Testament. Do they even know? I mean, they openly put it in Washington, D.C. by the the monument there. The, by the mall. The mall, yeah. yeah. Do they understand, or is this something they're just trying to be, like this is part of the world stage? Why did they bring it to America, and why did they get out there and, and celebrate it here in Washington, D.C.? Well, if you remember when ISIS rose to power, they started destroying all of these old remnants of the old earth, these wonders of the world. Um, and uh, the Arch of Palmyra was one of them that they attacked and dismantled. And I think this is the world's way of saying, you know, we shall overcome ISIS. We're not going to allow them to destroy our heritage. But out of ignorance, here they are promoting wow. and touring uh, an archway that people would walk through to worship the false god of the Old Testament who believed in child sacrifice. What an appropriate place to appear, the mall in Washington, as we continue wow. to slaughter more than a million children a year. And, you know, it, it's interesting, Dave, because I, I completely agree with Jan that evil is on the rise. But in addition to evil being on the rise, 
goodness is being watered down. And she talks about that a little bit. And we talked about it in our opening comments, how New Age and Buddhism and Hinduism have, have infected American Christianity. And it's like, you know, there used to be a distinct line between good and evil. Now those lines are kind of blurring. And even what's called good in the way we practice Christianity these days, mm-hmm. I think is a growing abomination to God. Uh, when, when you look at the way uh, Christianity is being watered down here in America, uh, it no longer directly opposes and stands against secular culture. Secular culture is starting to bleed into it. So evil's on the rise, but good has now been diminished to okay rather than good, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. And the Arch of Palmyra... Um, appeared in Washington, D.C., and you mentioned Hinduism, and what are a lot of Christian churches doing? Yoga! Yeah. They're openly doing yoga. Come on to, to church and, you know, weekday mornings or whatever. One church here locally was having chapel yoga. Having, well, I am, I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt that they don't understand the religious implication, the spirituality behind yoga, the Hinduism and the different gods that they're mimicking, mimicking with the hand uh, movements. I have I just give them the benefit of the doubt, but to me it's ignorance, and to me it's it's in the church, like you said. Well, and it was T.D. Jake's own wife who brought in, quote-unquote, Christian yoga into her church. Oh, oh Christian yoga. Christian yoga. And and you're right. I, I think in the in the vast majority of these situations, it's out of ignorance, uh, maybe not a proper vetting. Uh, interesting how Christians who promote yoga and transcendental meditation will say, well, it's not spiritual. But when you go to the official websites— of transcendental meditation and Hinduism, they claim they say no, it is clearly Hindu worship. Yeah. But we decide we're just going to ignore that and and dabble with something. Mm-hmm. Now, I hope that as more and more people come to understand what these things symbolize, you know, transcendental meditation is the exact opposite of how the Bible tells us to meditate. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells tells us to meditate and think deeply on God's word and to speak it out loud. Transcendental meditation and its other forms, uh, kundalini and everything else, is really an emptying of the mind. And I always think uh, of David the when Jesus exercised a demon, and then he said, you know what? When you kick one demon out, seven more come back. So in other words, lock your windows and your doors, because you kick one out, seven more might come back. And we don't when we don't lock our minds with the Word of God and, and really hide it in our hearts, and we open our minds, they are open to suggestion from spirits that are not the Holy Spirit and things that can sound so right, you know, so right, but the Bible clearly says are very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, we're now on to number seven, things falling into place from Jan Markell's top 10 Bible prophecy-related stories of last year, shocking escalation of apostasy and mocking of biblical prophecy. Just when you think apostasy and false teaching can't get any worse, it does. The New Apostolic Reformation is a global movement ravaging many churches with strange signs, wonders, and miracles that are not of God. Some of these folks celebrate their out-of-control, drunk-in-the-spirit activity. Who could have imagined that India's kundalini spirit would actually enter the evangelical church? Evangelical churches have almost all caved to social justice rather than sound preaching. People are left without a church as they appeal to church leadership, but in vain. Many churches are willing to refashion Christianity thanks to people like Andy Stanley and unhitch from the Old Testament, as he recommends. Bible prophecy is almost impossible to find in a church pulpit. 
Even my annual conference is is regularly hung as a hysteria conference where all such signs as those outlined here are proven wrong year after year. And it's something. Uh, Kundalini, when you do some research on it. Um, serpent power. So Yeah, it's a serpent wrapped around the spine, mm-hmm. and then I believe its fangs are into the back of the brain. So it's basically a, a, a taking over of the body and the mind by a Hindu god. And yet we promote this stuff like it's completely harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, this this thing about refashioning Christianity, David, I'm, I'm always fascinated with, and the dangers of people like an Andy Stanley who say, well, first of all, he lied. Jesus or Paul never said unhitched from the Old Testament. Um, but, but then what is it really, where is he really getting at with this? And I think it is a refashioning of Christianity, away from a God who is righteous, just, holy, and loving, to a God who is just love. And a God who, I mean, we saw Rob Bell go down this path. You know, well, forget about the Old Testament. We saw red-letter mm-hmm. Christians just just focus on what Jesus teaches. And both of them eventually ended up in the same place, universal salvation, where the belief of a loving God would never send anyone to hell. When, you know, Jesus taught about hell as a, as a real literal place, eternal place, more than he talked about heaven. And in detail, he, particularly the, the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, I believe it's Luke Luke 16 or 17, I believe it's Luke 17, interesting details, you know, talking about actual consciousness of, of the, this uh, chasm between heaven and hell, and he talks about torment, the fire, the eternal fire, the um, separation from God that is permanent, and there, so there are some principles in that parable alone that Jesus taught, and he was, of course, pointing to the Pharisees living this wealthy life of pleasure and uh, and and you know that reflects to a lot of people I think in America a lot of uh, Americans and church leaders that live a luxurious lifestyle thinking that they they want their best life now or whatever uh, but uh, I, th- I believe Jesus actually preached against that yeah I think he absolutely did you know that whole best life now mentality that Joel Osteen pushes is perfect for Americans because yeah, we are yeah. definitely the land of bigger is better mm-hmm. you know you buy a 16 more, foot more. boat and your neighbor brings home a 22-footer and you want to buy a 24-footer. Or you live in a 1,600-square-foot home, your neighbor has a 2,000, you want to build a 2,400-square-foot. So we've, we've, we've confused the fact that the Lord does bless us with clothing, with, with food, with shelter, but we've somehow come to believe that those are rights we have with God and that just because we profess a faith in Jesus Christ that God owes us something. And, I mean, that fits just hand-in-glove with the American mentality of, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get as wealthy as you want. And uh, uh, But, again, more and more churches are really—very few of them will quote from a Joel Osteen or a Kenneth mm-hmm. Copeland, but many of them, the teaching of it, it is of a similar vein. By the way, that was Luke chapter 16 that I was referring to, uh, the parable of the rich man. And one thing that I want to point out from that was was very interesting. And it talks about the rich man dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. Was that Lazarus? Right? No, that was the rich man. Yeah, but, but Lazarus, this is the story. Lazarus, the rich man, was it? No, no, no. The okay. rich man... Lazarus was the poor man, right. the beggar. Right. But the rich man was the one that was living in luxury every day. The poor man, he not only said he was at his gate, but he was 
starving and covered with sores. That the dogs licked, right? This was yeah. repulsive to religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. This, it was repulsive to them because they looked at people like that as deserving of what they got, and they would never enter into heaven. So when Jesus flipped the story on them and used the analogy that the poor man is in heaven and the rich man is in hell, this was a, a mind twister to the Pharisees, and they, they couldn't grasp the concept, but Jesus used that to teach them the truth. And, you know, I, I think also of uh, the story of Jesus' first public teaching when he, when he uh, quoted out of Isaiah. He first came to the religious leaders and basically said, he read it of Isaiah, the coming of the Messiah, and said, today this prophecy has been fulfilled before your eyes. Mm -hmm. And it says at first they marveled at him. But then Jesus went on to say, yeah, but you're going to reject me, so I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And they flipped. Flipped. Yeah. Immediately, we got to kill him. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder, David, if we're seeing, and again, I never want to equate America with Israel. I mean, they're two different entities. But what we see happening in America is I just sense as the church in America becomes more and more turning away from what God wants it to be. Um, and, and really embracing secular humanism and secular teaching and, and seeker-friendly non-theology, I think the Lord is kind of doing a similar thing here, where he's saying, you know what, the religious leaders of this time don't seem to get it, and I'm going to appeal to the hearts and minds of those rank-and-file people, those poor people. Um, the book of uh, Malachi, and I love to talk about this, all we ever hear out of Malachi is 310. Test me on this, give me your first 10% and watch yeah. me bless you. The entire book of Malachi is about a corrupt priesthood and a blind and ignorant people. Mm. That's the whole book mm. of Malachi, chastising Context, the priests huh? and religious leaders about how they are blind, how they, they, are, they are leading people astray. And, and I can't help but think that a growing number, not all by any stretch of the imagination, but a growing number of churches and denominations in this country are leading people away, further away from God rather than pressing into him. And there is a, I, I'm not sure if it's Malachi 2, but there is a rebuke, harsh yeah. rebuke to the priests at that time, the religious leaders in, in Malachi. Um, let's go on. We are, uh, this is, of course, Stand Up For The Truth. We're going over uh, the top 10 Bible prophecy-related stories of 2018. Number eight, intrusive technology invades homes and paves the way for the Antichrist. In 2018, we learned that uh, we are being watched or listened to, 24-7 by Big Tech. This was the year, last year, that the tech companies admitted they had an agenda. AI, artificial intelligence, can far exceed the human brain, and AI can make images of people that look human. Facebook, Google, Apple, Microsoft, Twitter, and more are the new masters of the universe, but hate righteousness and will likely hand their tools over to the Antichrist. Well, look at Facebook and Google what it's doing with China. And we've talked about this story, how China's developed a new social credit scoring system where they can base your entire life, what you view online, do you go to church or not, do you jaywalk, and they, they formulate all of this into a social credit scoring system. I don't believe what China has right now is the literal mark of the beast, but it's a model for what that mark of the beast is going to look like. And it's going to be able to, to infiltrate everyone and force you to obey Caesar if you ever want to buy or sell goods. And how close are we to this? I think it could be implemented tomorrow. I think the technology mm -hmm. is there. Now they're just waiting to soften people up. They want people to willingly go into slavery. And, you know, 
those cryptic verses in Revelation, he who is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. When you're on these social media sites or when you get you're like your iPhone, do you read through the terms of service or the agreement that you're supposed to just, you know, check mark or say yes to before you download something? How many people actually read those? Because they're so long. They're so detailed and, and so sometimes boring. People don't have the patience for that anymore. So you're just agreeing to let them do whatever with your information and you're just, we are accepting it. So, indeed. Very interesting. Um, and before we get to number nine, we just mentioned this. It's about the crisis in the Vatican. And off air, we, we were just talking before this segment how the media and the public doesn't seem to be concerned about the, uh, the chaos in the Catholic Church and the, what's been happening, the Pennsylvania grand jury report and uh, all the corruption there where the priests were molesting young boys. You don't hear about it anymore, and I find that to be fascinating. So Jan mentions number nine, the crisis in the Vatican. She says, if the false prophet comes out of Catholicism, we have seen its evil in the last year with one scandal after another, and Pope Francis seems to look the other way, focusing on his own agenda. The Pope is the ultimate globalist who could easily slide into the role of the sidekick to the Antichrist. Even some Catholics protest that their leader focuses only on global warming, immigration, and socialism. This is the Catholic Church's worst crisis since the Reformation. And I think a lot of them are opening their eyes as to what's going on. And uh, uh, we can certainly hope, you know, God in, in Romans 8, 28 says all things happen for the good of God, for the for those who love him. So, uh, yes, while these, these, these scandals are horrendous, uh, and the Catholic Church itself officially doesn't seem to be doing anything to address it. Uh, the hope is that people open their eyes and look and say, this is not what we signed on to. Uh, let's get to the 10th one, and then we'll get to break. All right. Number, let's see. Yeah, where, are, where are we? We're at the end here. Number 10. Um, number 10, the third temple talk activity has accelerated. The Antichrist will allow the third Jewish temple to be built in Jerusalem early in the tribulation. Preparation for that temple accelerated last year. The Temple Institute announced the birth of a perfect red heifer in Israel that could be used in temple ceremonies. The Sanhedrin hosted the dedication of the altar for the third temple with 70 nations invited to observe in December. While the third temple has nothing to do with believers, still such activity is again a tribulation event that's casting a shadow today. And these are just, uh, you know, 10 issues. I'm sure there's many more, but this was the list from uh, Jan Markell. And I could see the people of Israel and the leaders of Israel selling out for a peace plan if it allowed them to build that third temple. I could easily see that. So I think those two are going to kind of coincide. We're going to see a peace treaty signed, and we're going to see a temple rebuilt. And again, I want to caution, just because a peace treaty is signed— does not mean that that's the one that ushers in Antichrist. Mm. But if we see it signed and the temple being rebuilt, I wouldn't want to bet against it. So when we come back, uh, we're going to look at intense persecution of Christians in India. Missed a recent show? Catch up anytime on our free app, q90fm.com slash app. Click on podcasts. Stand up for the truth. We'll continue in a moment. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Well, a lot is happening to Christians around the world. And I'll tell you, just over the past 18 months or so, David, 
uh, things in India have heated up to a point where it's almost mass chaos and uh, a danger for Christians to even leave their homes. Yeah, we've been uh, seeing a lot of stories come out of China recently, especially in December, but we this one is from India. Christians hospitalized after terrifying Christmas attacks. From New Delhi, Christians in India who previously experienced little or no opposition reported that Hindu extremists stoned, slashed, and terrorized them this Christmas season. At least 18 incidents against Christians were reported and verified during the Christmas season, according to the Religious Liberty Commission of the Evangelical Fellowship of India, EFI. Of those incidents, 10 were reported from, uh, let's see, Uttar Pradesh state, three from Uttarakhand, these are already places in India, uh, states in India, and three from Tamil Nadu, and two from Maharashtra state. Uh, both the frequency of the attacks and the intensity has increased in the past few years, and the worst attack took place in Koward village. It's a district in Maharashtra state where masked men carrying sharp weapons attacked a Christmas gathering on December 23rd. The bloody assault sent seven Christians to hospital intensive care with three undergoing surgery. Around 20 masked men barged into the Sunday worship service of New Life Fellowship Church with swords, knives, iron rods, glass bottles, stones, and other sharp objects and attacked the congregation meeting at uh, the presbyter's residence. Um, Milton Narenge, coordinator of the New Life Fellowship, said that uh, suspected Hindu extremists entered the service shouting, and then there's some some phrase which I don't want to take a a stab at pronouncing, but it means victory to Bhawani, a Hindu goddess, and victory to the historical Hindu warrior, King Shivaji. Uh, they barged into the worship hall and began to throw big stones and empty bottles at the worshipers. Uh, Pastor, let's see, Bimson Ganpati Shavan, 36 years old, has been leading the church since its inception 12 years ago. He said 40 people were present at the service when the Hindu extremists arrived. As soon as they entered, he said, they began to shoot empty beer bottles and stones at the congregation. And as they stepped forward, they attacked us with swords, iron rods, knives, mercilessly, men and women alike. In almost all 18 cases reported during the Christmas season, police came under pressure from Hindu extremists, revealing the strategy of the Hindu nationalist groups to harass to harass Christians with legal problems, sources said. Christian leaders throughout India condemned the attacks. Uh, quote, they want to create communal disharmony for their own political advantage. Uh, legal advocacy group Alliance Defending Freedom India's uh, coordinator told Morningstar News. Um, Christie said Hindu nationalists have a well-planned strategy, strategy to target Christmas processions, services, Christmas carols, programs to try to create an atmosphere of disharmony and to polarize people. Uh, Let's see. They said, of course, religious freedom is at stake, especially for the minority community there who must be given full freedom to practice their religion and faith in peace. And, uh, quote, the secular fabric of India and Indian democracy is being shredded every day. It might take several years to eliminate the hatred that has been injected in the society based on religion, polarizing communities. 
It's an interesting and sad story on, on a couple fronts, David. Uh, Hinduism, again, really is, is somewhat uh, pretty similar to Buddhism, where it talks about being peaceful and, you know, really, really uh, uh, becoming more and more like God every day with each passing life. So it's, it's unusual to see practicing Hindus become this violent. Yeah. Uh, but it seems here, uh, at least the article is uh, insinuating, that these Hindus are really part of a purist movement in India, more of a political arm. Uh, India is the second most populous nation in the world. I believe it has a half a billion people there um, and is somewhat of a democracy. It's never really been a theocracy, but Hinduism has been the predominant religion. Uh, Buddhism is a minority. Uh, Islam is a minority and Christi Christianity is a severe uh, minority, but uh, very interesting. And we talked, when Jan talked about how evil is just ramping up in people, mm -hmm. when you see Hindus, taking to violence like this, uh, it's a sure sign to me that there's a spirit throughout this world, and it isn't the Holy Spirit of God. Doesn't it say something, though, about people who are pursuing, I mean, there's a lot of gods in, in Hinduism, yeah. right? Mill millions, aren't uh, there? Uh, yeah, maybe millions. Yeah, yeah, a lot of gods. Or or Buddhism, same thing, but they're, they're, they, you pursue a path of peace and of, of higher consciousness, and to, to have this kind of violence— and evil break out, it, it says doesn't reflect good on their religion. But again, I, I, I really think, you know, I said this about a year and a half ago on air, it's almost like this dog whistle has went off around the world, <laughs> and people are just irritated and angry and ticked off, and they don't even know why. And I think this is an example of that. Hinduism, generally considered a very peaceful religion yeah. that has historically coexisted, pardon the phrase, uh, with religions around the world, suddenly has become this violent um, uh, anti-Christian religion. And, you know, th there's also been a lot of fighting going on between Hindus and Muslims in India. Mm -hmm. uh, not as much as going on. And again, I think Christ Christians are an easy target because we don't fight back. You know, we're, we're, we're to be considered people of peace. Mm -hmm. uh, Muslims, you attack them, they're going to they're gonna fight you back. So, you know, we, we kind of bring it on ourselves because, you know, we, the Bible tells us to be people of peace. Mm -hmm. So we're easy targets. So turn our attention to China. We will not forfeit our faiths as Chinese Christians whose church was closed. Christians in China may be discouraged in the face of government crackdown on their faith, but they are not backing down. Quote, we will not forfeit our faith because of suppression by the authorities, Zhu Balu, a Christian whose church was shut down in early December, told the New York Times. His congregation, Early Rain Covenant Church, was closed by Chinese officials as part of an effort to limit the impact of the country's unregistered churches, which house an estimated 30 million Christians. Chinese police took Bibles, closed the church's school and seminary, and charged the pastor with, quote, inciting subversion, end quote. He could spend five years in prison. Now, Zhu is a rice grower who had looked forward to the church's Christmas festivities, which included a pageant and the singing of carols. This year, instead, he went to a Christian friend's home on Christmas Eve and worshiped quietly. They sang songs and prayed for their fellow believers who were in jail. Uh, he also exchanged messages with friends on an app that allows encrypted communication. Now, one goal of the crackdown is to increase allegiance to the ruling Communist Party. President Xi Jinping and other communists believe Christianity promotes Western values and ideals like human rights that conflict with the aims of China's authoritarian government. And uh, the embrace of traditional Chinese culture and Confucian teachings 
that emphasize disobedience and order. So kind of interesting there. It's um, uh, So they're saying it conflicts with the teachings of um, traditional Confucius teachings, which basically say be at peace. So they're really looking at Christianity as a revolutionary movement. Mm. They're, they're kind of equating it with capitalism and Western democracies, when you think of it that way, when really Christianity is, is not an economic system. It's a, mm. it's a spiritual belief. Uh, Jew is drawing strength from the scripture. He said one of his favorite verses is Proverbs 4.18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Now, church members were asked to sign letters stating they renounced Christianity. Instead, they have chosen to worship in private. We have moved underground. David, I believe you are looking at the future of Christianity in America when we look at China. There's going to be a day when the Supreme Court of the United States takes one of these lawsuits or one of these things like the city of De Pere tried to ram down our throats and say, no, the government has authority over churches and religious organizations. And when that happens, the full might and strength of the federal government, including the IRS, the NSA, and everything else is going to come down on houses of worship. And churches are going to be forced with a decision. You can do it like China does it. You can be a state-sponsored Christian church and make sure your teachings do not conflict with federal law regarding marriage and transgenderism and things, or we're going to shut you down. And and it'll be it's it's going to be intriguing to me if it happens during our lifetime, to see what percentage of churches in America bow to Caesar. I mean, uh, if there are, and I'm just going to grab a number here, fifty thousand churches in America right now, sitting on this fence, and all of a sudden the government one day says, okay, if you're going to be a church and have a tax exempt status with us, you're going to teach what we tell you to teach. What number of that fifty thousand? What percent will give in to Caesar? And what percent will say, sorry, we can't do it? Um, you know, generally I'm an optimist, but I think 80 to 90% of them will will justify caving in to some extent. Uh, well, we need to keep our church doors open and then so we can share the gospel. But when you're denying the word of God and, and coming out basically and saying, we're going to take the Bible's message about sin and confession and repentance and throw it to the side, you throw that out, what else do you really have? It's interesting that... We need, we, we're so blessed to have the Constitution that we do here in America, which the First Amendment protects religious expression. We have the freedom of religious expression, and the government was not to get involved or endorse uh, a particular denomination or religion. In fact, that was one of the first drafts of the First Amendment. They had the word denomination in there. Mm-hmm. So you knew it was religion. You knew it was the Christian religion they were talking about. But anyway, they changed that draft after a couple more to get the final one. But I see it, it's important for us to stand up for religious freedom because that's what our Constitution provides. But I also see what you're saying, too, that the government is going to get more strong-handed with Christians and with Christian churches and maybe the IRS with the 501c3s. It's all possibly going to change. And I see that the, the state of the church now, Mike, the lukewarm church, the seeker-friendly churches that are watering down the gospel, I see that as potentially a very good thing if you look at true Christianity. Like, look at the the underground church in China, how it is growing. Mm -hmm. Why are they growing? Because they are being persecuted, and their faith is a sacrifice, and it means something to them. It's not just something they live out, and they they just say, yeah, we're Christian, and 
you know, blend in with the world. No, they are taking a, a risk by what they're doing in the under, underground church, and I see that could be a very positive thing. Well, I think it's certainly going to perpetuate that scattering of the sheep and the goats. You know, I've often wondered too, David, uh, we only have about a minute left, but at what point does ignorance become stupidity? And you think about it, the way the, the Bill of Rights was written, there was a clear one-way wall separating the government from intruding into church. But look what's happened over the last 40 years. Because we're an illiterate, increasingly stupid people, we've come to believe the lies that that wall is reversed. Oh, that means the church can't go out into the community. It's the exact opposite yeah. of what our founding fathers wrote. So you know what? Plead ignorance if you want, but there's enough information out there right now where I'm going to say to you, you're not being ignorant, you're being stupid. When you understand that what is being imposed in our nation is the exact opposite of the will of our founding fathers, that there would be an insurmountable wall from government ever crossing that wall into religious practice and conscience. But what we have bought is the exact opposite, that the church needs to remain in its four four, uh, walls and never get out in society, never preach the gospel, never have church meetings and things like this. So interesting indeed. When we come back, we will wrap up today's show and tell you about our guest tomorrow. Have a question for Mike? Email him anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We'll wrap up Stand Up For The Truth in a moment. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at standupforthetruth.com slash donate. Now, here's Mike LeMay. Tomorrow we're joined by Julaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Council. We'll look at what to expect out of Madison this year as we have a uh, new very liberal governor being sworn in in the next week to 10 days. Uh, And uh, so we'll look at things from a pro-life point of view, from a pro-family point of view, and what we might expect. And then tomorrow, David and I are going to start, and this is going to take a long time. We're going to try to chunk it out here a little bit over the next couple weeks. A very intriguing article entitled, Why is Christianity failing in America? It's very deep. It's very comprehensive. Uh, We're going to try to chunk this thing out for you over the next couple weeks. But uh, uh, some amazing insight, I think, as I've looked through this, I've read it four times now. And I think it really gives a accurate snapshot. Snap. I can't speak a snapshot. Boy, of what is happening in America. Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year, boy. You know what? When I was young and stupid before I was a believer, I'd go out and get drunk on uh, New Year's Eve. And uh, now I'm speaking like I did that this year. Oh, so I'm sure age has nothing to do with it. So no, folks, I did not over-invite whatsoever. But uh, we're going to look at this article. It's very intriguing, very thought-provoking, very deep. Uh, But I think it's also very important because we've got to face facts. What we are calling Christianity in America is failing on several fronts and if we don't acknowledge we're losing and acknowledge what's going wrong nothing's going to change so julaine appling tomorrow and we'll start why is christianity failing in america for david fiorazzo mike lemay standing up for the truth be bold strong and unashamed of the gospel the lord your god is always with you